This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Bulabinaka and welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Dean Halatau. Fakalofalahi uh, to everyone and welcome to the show, Sarah. It's great to have you back, although we're not exactly together uh, at this point. You're obviously in preparations for World Cup, so you're across there in New Zealand. Uh, and I'm actually in my bedroom at home because I'm on dad duties today, uh, school holidays at home with my kids. So the magic of technology means that we can still be together. Yes, I'm here in New Zealand and uh, I do apologise in advance if you hear some funny sounds in the background. There is some maintenance happening around the hotel, but hopefully it won't be too much of a disruption. How's things going over there, Sarah? Yeah, New Zealand has been an absolute buzz. We're currently located in Auckland City, so it's nice to be in the heart of it all. And there's a real buzz amongst the people here because of World Cup. And um, yeah, it's just crazy to believe that in a few days we'll kick off our Rugby World Cup campaign and um, hopefully I'll uh, be able to be a part of it all. Can you give us any insight as to whether or not that opening game is going to include the locks yourself? Because Nelly and I have been campaigning very hard over the last few test matches to see you out there in, in the team, on the run-on team. And um, yeah, any, any updates or any news? Yes, I'm a bit excited and a bit nervous, but I will be playing in this week's test match against the Black Ferns. So it's pretty nerve-wracking, but I'm very, very excited. Give <laughs> <laughs> the applause. Well done, Nelly. And congratulations, Sarah. That's awesome. Uh, we're very happy for you. That's uh, a huge achievement. And World Cup, very exciting stuff. Yeah, it, it's really exciting. I just, um, I mean, I've never had the opportunity to play against the Black Ferns and uh, it's it's not clear to me yet as to whether I'll be running on or coming off the bench, but I will be in that game day 23. So I am very, very blessed and very excited. Well, we're excited for you. You'll be watching very closely. Thanks, Hullers. Coming up in the next hour, we've got so much to cover. We take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have a chat with one of our favourites, NRLW champion Kennedy Charrington, and we have a question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. But our top story this week, Dean, uh, comes from a court sport, basketball. And yes. uh, talk about an underdog coming out on top. Yeah, the Adelaide 36 is one of the, the teams of the National Basketball League here in Australia, the NBL. They... Had a preseason fixture over in the U.S. against uh, the Phoenix Suns, who are a pretty um, well-regarded team. They had the best win-loss record out of last, or win-loss percentage, I should say, from last season in the NBA. They had a preseason match, and they managed to beat the Phoenix Suns 134 to 24. So, first time any NBA, sorry, any NBL team, I should say, has gone over to play an NBA team in the preseason and won. Uh, so, it's a huge achievement there for the Adelaide 36ers, especially against one of the heavyweights of the NBA. That definitely would give the team a lot of confidence that if you can go over to a country like the US where basketball is just basically a national sport that's played from grassroots up, or should I say from a kid up, um, to go over there and put on such a huge performance like that, I feel like every bloke on that team would be pretty bloody stoked with himself. Yeah, that, that would be. That's like, that, that really is uh, the underdog or... You know, the, the Minnow taken on the Giant and they did such a good job. 24 from 43 uh, from past the three-point line. So that's a pretty high percentage for shooting threes and no doubt a big reason why they won the game. So Adelaide 36ers, they'll be going into uh, the next NBL season as hot favourites, I would say, after that. Um, would be something to uh, definitely get excited about for the upcoming year. Look, no hate on Adelaide. I've spent some time in Adelaide. There's not a lot going on there, but that would be a story for the ages. They'll <laughs> at least get some people to, the, to their basketball stadium, that's for sure. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. Over to the NFL, you we've got a, we've got a bit to cover here. We last you know a couple the last time I spoke to you guys all was on the show because that was the way last week. Um, we kind of put in our favourites for the season, and so far we uh, have chosen the right teams. Well, I have uh, after the weekend, week four. Uh, Green Bay Packers managed to get up in a tight one against the Patriots. And the Patriots actually down to their third string quarterback. So it was a pretty um, impressive game for the Patriots. It was only a narrow win to the, to the Green Bay Packers. But your teams, uh, unfortunately, um, Sarah or Jacksonville Jaguars went down to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears lost to the New York Giants, which is Nelly's team, the, uh, the Bears. So not a lot of luck on that side of the draw for you both. But... Um, 
you picked all right. They won in week three, both your teams. Just week four wasn't the week for them. You know what? It's early days and we will come out on top because that's what underdogs always do. Adelaide showed us that this week. Yeah, they certainly did. And the Jaguars have got a, a pretty had a pretty good uh, first three weeks. It was just the weekend that they uh, they got tripped up on. Now, uh, I'll keep bringing up more uh, updates, obviously, on the NFL because I love it. My fantasy league teams are going okay still. I'm <laughs> near the top such of the table. A dog. Near the top of the table in three leagues, so it's not too bad. Um, anyway, more of uh, more of that later. The cricket uh, Pacific Women's Cup uh, T20 was continuing over the weekend, and um, some pretty good performances from Vanuatu and uh, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, so Vanuatu are definitely leading in this uh, T20 competition. They had a positive start on day one where they put a huge win against Samoa and then they followed it up uh, defeating Fiji by 78 runs. So it's uh, fair to say that Vanuatu are trading in the right direction. Earlier this year, or actually just about four weeks ago, I was in Fiji as the Fiji men's were preparing for the T20 World Cup and they actually did mention to me that Vanuatu is a nation to be reckoned with and seeing a result like this really does confirm all that they were saying. Yeah, it's um, it's wonderful to see Vanuatu um, staking their claim and the international game. and also Papua New Guinea, who uh, you know we've heard from Peter Pasal and, and how much that game is developing in um, PNG uh, to to see them having some success in the international stage is no doubt a result of the time they're putting into that. So, well done to all teams competing, and we'll we'll bring some more updates to how things got on with that competition next week. Now over to the AFLW back here in Australia, and it went into round six across the weekend. I think we might get our resident expert on the AFLW to jump in here, Nelly. What do you got on the weekend's games? Again, I do feel like we're using the expert term very loosely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to start with, I mean, I had a fantastic weekend because, as you know, I'm a GWS Giants fan, and they had a really good win over the Carlton Blues where they won 4-5-29, to the Blues, one six twelve. So their um, inefficiency in front of goal really cost them there. Um, but Muala Loifi, who we love on this show and is a defender for Carlton, had a stellar game against Cora Staunton. Now, Cora is 40 um, and she is still an absolute gun on the field. She's a recruit that we brought over from Ireland um, when the comp first started and She's known over there. Like she is highly respected, really well known for her Gaelic football prowess. And she's managed to come over here and really make a name for herself. But uh, Mua did a great job on her. I don't know that there was an actual winner between the two of them. Um, Cora did get two goals, but they really fought each other hard. And it was, it was a really solid performance from both of them. It's been so great to see Mua continue her really strong form this year. And, you know, when she's not up against the Giants or the Swans, I, I can't wait to see what she does next. And then the Brisbane Lions are back and Jesse Wardlaw kicking two goals. So it's good to see them coming back. Um, they did defeat the Bombers. It was a fairly comprehensive win and their um, inaccuracy in front of goal, like they could have really put the foot on the throat. Um, they ended up winning 8-14-62 to the Bombers, three straight eighteen. Jesse Wardle's having a pretty good season with the boot, right? She's kicked some goals. Yeah, she's a gun. She'd look really good in the charcoal and orange. <laughs> <laughs> now his recruitment drive. Hey, GWS bounced back. <laughs> they bounced back too, didn't they? GWS got, they got um, wallops last Yeah, week, I don't so like to talk good. about that. <laughs> okay. Too soon. too soon for our girl, too yeah. soon. No, it was a record loss, um, 97 to 1. Last week, so well, good way Giants. to respond by getting a win this week. hundred percent. Uh, shame it was against run. the Blues. Yes, it's a shame. But thank you, Nelly, for the uh, the wrap of the uh, AFLW from the weekend. Over now, Sarah to uh, to rugby. Yes, rugby. The game that they play in heaven continues. And Australia A, they travelled over to Tokyo to take on Japan. The final score was 34 to 22. I think in previous times when you look at Australia A, you're often wondering, what's the point of this? But for a lot of those men, there is a lot of reason for them to try and put their best foot forward because there is a competition, or should I say a test, um, coming up against Scotland, which is only four weeks away. So there are a couple of players that are still trying to put their hand up for selections. And there were tries to two Fijians, Suliasi Vunivalu and Mark Noanganitwa. Um, Mark especially had only about 27 minutes off the bench and managed to cross the line. So um, there are a few players within that squad who 
are certainly trying to earn their stripes within the Wallabies. And I think that that contest over in Japan will give Dave Rennie some options. But it's really interesting to think about what selections will look like because Michael Hooper has now made himself available again, um, which puts... I guess, a smile on Australian fans' faces because we know what he can produce, but it also means that players will have to move aside and make space for him. So huge result for Australia, A, and uh, interesting to see what selections will look like in the weeks to come. Yeah, plenty of... uh, It's good to have selection headaches, I guess, for a head coach to to see players performing well in Australia, A, but um, putting pressure on those Australian uh, or Wallabies players, it's going to be interesting to see what he comes up with. Yeah, and I guess like in looking at Michael Hooper, his absence has allowed James Slipper to step up as captain. And again, it'll be interesting to see how that transition um, of captaincy happens, whether James will keep it or Michael Hooper will revert um, to being the beloved captain of the Australian Wallabies. He is very well liked, isn't he, Hooper? He's, he's likeable. There's not much to not love about him. He just has the characteristics of like, you know, what you would like into a, a true Aussie. Like they're yeah. hardworking. They don't talk much about themselves. Um, and yeah, every time he comes off the field, you can never doubt his work rate. So yeah, there's, there was also a very interesting headline about Pete Samu looking very tired um, in Eden Park. So they're like, oh, is he fit enough to play test footy? It's always hard playing test footy. Leave Pete <laughs> Samu alone. Michael Hooper gets tired. He just probably has a better way of uh, hiding it. But anyway, that is, that's all that's happening there within that uh, arena of rugby. Thank you, Sarah. Over to NRLW, the grand final, of course, took place on the weekend. It was a, a huge Sunday, and um, we had our fingers crossed for the years. Obviously, we wanted it to be a great game, um, but uh, the Knights proving far too strong in the end. Yes, the final score was 32-12. to 12. There were tries all over the park, but one's worth mentioning is Kiana Takirangi. She scored two. Emanita Paki and uh, Yasmin Clysdale were standouts. The Knights um, have had a pretty strong performance, and with all the recruiting that they did after the postponed 2021 NRLW season, we always knew they were going to be a pack side. And Parramatta Eels, that is the side that we've all been rooting for. They weren't expected to be there, but they turned some last-minute results around that saw them in the grand final. And I tell you what, the game did not disappoint, but the Knights were just too good on the day. Yeah, too much strike for the Knights, as, as you said, Sarah. And it was very competitive through the middle of the park, but once Tamika Upton injected herself and um, Jesse Self, or the 17-year-old uh, Commonwealth Games medalist who, who's made a really successful uh, fist of it in the NRLW, like things were um, going pretty difficult there for the uh, for the Eels towards the end of the game when those those players stepped up. So um, well done to the Knights. One of the highlights I have to say from from that game was the um, speech by the the Eels co-captain in Samantha Talfa. She was uh, up on stage to acknowledge her team, the fans, and, and obviously the opposition team. But uh, her speech, we'll hear a little bit of it now, was uh, was outstanding. Um. T- to our family and friends we know we get to do what we do each and every week because of you it's your sacrifice that get us to keep going to training um, each and every day and you know on behalf of the girls we'd like to thank our family and friends to our fan base you know we started from the bottom now we're here in a grand final um, you know Newcastle from where we were season 21, you guys played outstanding and led by Millie Boyle, Hannah Southwell and Tamika Upton. It's a true testament to how hard you girls work and we couldn't play a, a better opponent. Um, last and foremost, to the girls, all I asked for was for you to leave everything out on that field. And you did the jersey proud. To the girls that went before us, we hope we did you proud. And for the next generation of girls, now you see it, you can aspire to be wearing the blue and gold and can't wait to see where the women's game grows in the near future. So to our girls, celebrate the year that was, keep pushing away and keep leading the next generation of girls to be better versions of themselves. She's so hearty, you can't help but have goosebumps run down your back when you hear her speak. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Um, she, she took that moment, she said some really nice words that we just heard there and um, she did, certainly would be uh, an inspiration to a lot of young girls that will want to pick up a, a Steedon and, and run around and, and play the game. So great, great work there from uh, Samima. But once again, well done to the, the Knights on that uh, NRLW win. 
Yes, and I just want to make a quick mention of the numbers that filled Stadium Australia to get around the NRLW final. There were 42,921 spectators looking on as these girls fought for the title. So to all the naysayers that say women's sport is dead and it's boring, eat those numbers, fellas and <laughs> ladies. <laughs> eat those damn numbers for breakfast, lunch and tea. <laughs> Now, Dane, the NRLW final obviously wasn't the only final that took place. The men's also had theirs where the Panthers took on the Eels in what was named the Battle of the West. And the Panthers came out too strong with a 28-12 to 12 win. Yeah, they, they definitely um, showed their dominance. The, the Panthers, they have been the best team over the last three seasons. And obviously the win last year being the start of um, something you felt coming from the Panthers. They just turn up every week. They're so physical. Uh, they've got great skill execution. They've got some great leaders on the field. And in that game on the weekend, the atmosphere before and during the game was enormous. Um, it's one of the biggest crowds um, that, that I've, or the biggest atmospheres that I've been a part of uh, live. And um, it was it was awesome to be there. Unfortunately for the Parramatta fans, which dominated in terms of numbers, I think, around the stadium, they went pretty quiet pretty quickly. It was more or less 10 to 15 minutes of them really backpedaling hard in Panthers, um, just running all over top of them. And, and you could see the players were spent after, you know, not too long into the game. It was always going to be a big battle for them to to try and find the energy to come back. Uh, and the Panthers, as you said, that scoreline 28 to 12 told the story. A couple of late tries for the Eels certainly helped things. But um, the Stephen Crichton try was probably the, the pick of the ones for me. Nearly 11 minutes gone in the grand final. No score. Set a field right to Yo. Out the back to Cleary. Links up with Edwards over the 30. Sends it into Crichton. He's got Gutless in the beat. Beats him. Crichton for the goal line. He's over. If it's awarded, it'll be a try and three straight grand finals for Stephen Crichton. Referee Ashley Klein says. Try to Penrith. Stephen Crichton scored in 2020. Last year, and now here at Stadium Australia. Stephen Crichton has been outstanding, and it is no shock to me that he was able to secure himself a try on the match that mattered most. Panthers have won everything this year, including the state championship game, which took place earlier that day against the North Devil. So safe to say, talent in the West is uh, secured, and I think it's I think it's only the beginning for them, really. Yeah, that they do have a lot of depth and a lot of talent coming through the Panthers. I will say, but they didn't win everything. The West Tigers won the, the state uh, cup in the women's and they also won the uh, Harold Matthews. So there's a little bit of hope there for West West Tigers fans, if I'm just going to throw that in there at the end. It sounds like a bit of an Appy Coruscant-inspired <laughs> comment. No, 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 no. There's hope, no, no, there's, no. hope for the, there's hope for the Tigers. It's always good to have hope. <laughs> Noah time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa Time, we're very lucky to be joined by Candy Terrington. She often joins our show as a regular host, but this week she joins us as probably one of the most, uh, what could you say, most successful NRLW players. Kennedy, thank you for joining us again. Hi, guys. I miss you guys a lot, but thanks for having me. It's been a crazy 48 hours, so I can't wait to have a chat. Kennedy, let's start with the NRLW season just wrapped up. You, you played in the grand final on the weekend. That's uh, probably the first thing that's happened in this crazy week for you, but uh, didn't get the result you were after, but what a moment. You, you yourself had a, a really strong game once again, and uh, you just got better and better as the season went on. Thank you. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we went down to the, uh, a strong nights. But respect, I just love seeing um, my mates win. I have a few mates in the Newcastle Knights, and for us to turn the tables around from the 21 season, you know, we both finished at the bottom of the table. And then for us to this season to finish top two, I, I just think it's a, an achievement in itself. But if we're looking at the game, then um, credit to my girls, you know, at the start of the season, we were paying $151 to win the comp. So really no one was backing us. And I think that's what motivated us to beat the Broncos and then go on to beat the Roosters and then just to make grand finals. So Frick, it's been like you have to give credit where it's due and unfortunately we couldn't get the job done, but there's so much success in the Parramatta side and then I can't wait to see how it goes in the 23 season. Spoken like a true legend. Just take us into the inner sanctum of preparation that week out at Parramatta. What was the vibe like in the team? What was preparations like? You could only assume there was a huge vibe amongst the group. Yeah, the energy was unreal. There was a lot of nervous um, but excitement. Um, feeling within the team there wasn't 
wasn't much, you know, everyone was overthinking. It was just like, it was basically everyone's first debut season. So like everyone didn't really know how to prep. There was a lot of media going on. Like there was just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of noise, but we, we really tuned into what our, what we wanted to do on the weekend. Um, and, you know, the other team had more grand, some, some of the players from the other team had more grand finals win than games played in the NRLW for some of my players, you know, some of the girls planned have only played three, four NRLW games. So just, it just goes to show like how my team just has so much to offer in the future. And, um, but yeah, it was an experience, a lot of learning um, for some of the young ones, especially with media, uh, how to prep for a big game, especially this one, as like, you know, it's the biggest occasion on the NRL calendar. And um, I think it was just a responsibility for some of us older ones to try and guide the younger ones and how to prep and how to talk to the media without giving too much away. Just, just little things. So I felt like I was a teacher, even though I've only played one grand final before and um, Mima was also a, another teacher for like, you know, some of the other girls who hadn't been in the position before. You, you mentioned how you, you were one of the senior players or most experienced players, but you're still quite young still. And uh, one of the hard things, I guess, and one thing, one of the things we've seen with the men's game is the emotion of trying to just keep your performances up um, week after week. It, it could be quite taxing. And how, how did you manage that yourself? Because every week you're, you're riding this wave of emotion, but your performances were still really strong week to week what, what did you do to, to sort of overcome that I think I was just really clear with my role and what uh my coaches wanted out of me as a player um I knew exactly what I needed to do in my position and then if I just purely focus on my role it helps you know whether it's Mima do her role or whether it's Gail at the back doing her role so it just makes it easier for everyone just to worry about themselves you know sometimes as players you can worry about whether your outside backs are going to carry strong enough. But if you just have that full belief and then, um, you know, if it could just take like a five minute chat before the game, just be like, Oh, you know, a hundred percent back. You can do this. You're strong carry. You can do this good, this good. Instead of having that doubt in the back of your head going, Oh, I don't know if they can show up today, but I, I just really got around my teammates and um, just provided some, some confidence in them because I knew they were fully capable. And I think that's what, um, you know, I pride myself on it. It's just like I bring the best out in other people and they do that for me and it's just transparent, really. Spoken so beautifully, Kenny. Something that also caught our attention post-game was your interview. (laughs) And we're just going to play it back because everyone needs to listen to this. I'm here with Kennedy Sherrington who played an absolute stellar game today and despite the result, I can see how emotional you are you're gonna make me cry in a second but you told me earlier in the week you'd be proud of the girls no matter what how do you feel about the performance today um, I'm just really proud of the girls um, no one ever thought we were gonna get here from season one it's our inaugural season so I'm, I'm really proud but same thing against all odds and we just go again um yeah I'm just yeah that game doesn't define the team we are we might not be this the biggest we might not be the strongest but we have the biggest heart so that's all I know it's hard to talk after a loss like that. And, and like you said, uh, you guys showed so much resiliency out there in that big, big chunk in the second half. You really were fighting back. How did it feel? Yeah, it was a, we, we said it wasn't going to be an easy one. We knew it was going to be through the middle and then one on the edge. But unfortunately, some cause didn't go away. And like G's try, I was unfortunate. That would have been a momentum change. But yeah, just still proud. We've got a, probably the youngest team in the comp as well. So we've got a lot to work with come next season. But we're going to see a whole different change in the game next year come 10 teams, so it's going to be interesting. But I hope the core group at Paris stays together because it's, it's really special. And, again, we're building something. So I just, we, people got to give credit for us there. So, yeah. Kennedy, what's it like hearing yourself uh, post-match, uh, the emotion, obviously, there as you're chatting to, to Marley Silver on the sideline for us? Uh, yeah, what, is, what does it feel like hearing it back? Um, well, it just made me emotional again. Um, <laughs> hearing that, I honestly can't even remember what I said, it's just it's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, yeah, it, it still hurts deep down, but just to know that we shut some, you know, haters up with, um, you know, because you do, you do see the, the media, you do see the comments, you do see the trolls. It, it's just whether you tap into that wasted energy and acknowledging that stuff, but you do see it and it does hurt, but it did feel good to, you know, get to a grand final because I know there were four other teams who were desperate to be there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, uh, lucky, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm really happy for the Knights. Like I'm honestly over the moon for them. But 
yeah, I just can't wait to go again next year because I really do think we have something special at Para, and that's just the pure want to be in that team, the pure want to just to fight to the end. Yeah, you could you could certainly see that, and like even in the earlier games where you, you had that close one against the Knights, and um, you, you looked like you were playing well as a group, and then you had to play good football to make it through to the grand final in consecutive weeks, which is what you've done. Uh, so it's yep. it's obvious that that's there, and, and like you say, next year is going to be um, a, a really different type of competition, and one where I think you'll get better and better as as it goes along, and um, be challenging again towards the end of the season. Now, I just want to jump over to. Um, Something else that happened on grand final day, and that was uh, you winning the Veronica White medal um, for your community <laughs> work. And um, that must have been pretty special. Obviously, so much going on that day, coming back down off, off a game and then and then being presented with the Veronica White medal. Uh, tell us about that. It was a bit of a bittersweet day. You know, I went back into the change rooms, had a bit of a cry, and then literally had to get ready for the presentation for my award, which I kind of forgot about too. So um, <laughs> they, told me, they told me the week before at Dally M's that night, so I was prepared for my game because they're like, well, we didn't want any distractions. Like, we want to know that you, we want to let you know that you won, and um, to do all the media stuff. So I just got it out of the way before grand final day, which was pretty cool. When I found out, I honestly, yep, burst into tears again. Um, you know, because I don't do this thing. I don't do these things for recognition. I don't do these things for for rewards or you know for a social media post. This is just the the goodness of my heart, wanting to make my community better. Um, but yeah, to be acknowledged in the whole NRLW playing group, I just yeah, I, I'm still in shock. Honestly, the last 48 hours have been so crazy. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and then shortly after that, uh, so earlier this week, you guys also had your Parramatta presentation where you came away with another award. Do you want to let our listeners know what else you picked <laughs> up to add to the trophy cabinet? Um, so last night we had our presentation for Parramatta, um, the first ever pre- uh, presentation with the men's and women's, um, which was another big thing where I took away um, NRL uh, Parramatta Eels Community Player of the Year. I also took away um, the Coaches Player of the Year. And then um, I also took away um, Shed uh, Player of the Year with Samima Taufel, my captain. So um, I wasn't expecting anything. I just wanted to go for a good time to see my teammates again and a quick feed and ended up coming away with three, four awards. So, yeah, I'm still buzzing. It's been crazy, and that's not even the last of it. It certainly is. Well, firstly, congratulations, because that's just immense to be able to achieve so much in such little time. But the buzz that you speak of, dare I say, the cherry on top has to be your inclusion in the Jillaroo squad. Yeah, the Jillaroo has always been the pinnacle of, you know, my goals this short-term, long-term has always been the biggest box I wanted to tick off and I was quite unsure because there was no comms with uh, World Cup selection um, so I just had to keep chipping away playing good footy and just putting my best foot forward um, in my position and as you know the middle the middle isn't isn't easy to um, you know you've got the likes of player of uh, Millie Boy you've got Caitlin Johnson who are you know these awesome forwards and then you've got me who's the smallest prop in the comp so <laughs> I knew I had to put on something special to make sure they didn't have a reason to not select me. And I think that kind of stemmed from my um, my, my surgery I had a few months ago and then getting um, not named in the blue squad. So these are all little things that kind of lit the fire to come into NRL preseason and just honestly just rip up. And um, just I'm actually so proud of myself. I, I don't think many people say that, but... Yeah, I'm still I'm still buzzing. I'm still in shock, and um, to be able to know that I'm going to the World Cup in England for six weeks is crazy. Well, you know, I'm so proud. Yeah, you should be proud of yourself because uh, you've achieved so much. And, and you mentioned that knee surgery that you had at the end of the 21 NRLW season that um, meant that you were unable to be there for the New South Wales team, and then you had to rehab yourself, get ready for this competition. So that's that's not easy to do. And um, you've, you've come on to this, uh, as you said, one of the smallest props in the competition to come on and play the way you have, be selected in the World Cup and, and all the other accolades. We're very proud of you and uh, we're stoked and can't wait to see you head over there to England and do your best for the Dillaroos. Oh, thank you so much, guys. It means a lot. You guys feel like family to me. Um, so I'm just very grateful to have you guys in my corner. Stop. I'm going to cry, Kenny. I love you so much and I'll, <laughs> I will talk to you very soon, my sister. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, Sarah, for this weekend and uh, the future World Cup games coming as well. We'll keep each other posted, sis. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye.
That was NRLW, Parramatta Eels, Superstar, and now Jillaroo, Kennedy Charrington. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Well, we're back with another question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. And Hullers, this one I feel like is much needed for us to talk about because the Penrith Panthers have so much scrutiny surrounding them and their grand final win because of the way that players have responded or I guess are carrying on on social media. Yes, it's um, it's made news this week in the wake of their grand final win, their successive um, premiership uh, win that they had against the Parramatta Eels last weekend. And uh, the question we've had from, from Paul and Kenthurst is, are Penrith bad winners? Now, this Very has simple. Been, it's pretty simple. Are they bad winners? It's been mentioned by a number of media people and uh, even just on social media, fans from all around the game and from people that watch sport in general, just not really happy with a bit of the carry-on coming from the uh, Penrith camp. Yes, they aren't. And I guess a lot of it, I guess the first person I really want to speak about is Jerome Luai and his social post, um, you know, one telling uh, Parramatta, I guess, a, a bit of a thing saying that they can call him daddy. Um, also, they played Sweet Caroline in the change rooms, which we all know is Mitchell Moses's, uh, what do you call it, like try song, which didn't get played because he didn't score any tries. <laughs> and um, it just, it's just headline after headline. But the thing about Jerome Law in particular is he has been selected to play for Samoa at the Rugby League World Cup, which is to kick off in the next few weeks. But because of this social post, he could potentially lose his spot. Yeah, he, he put up a post um, in the wake of the grand final again that was with uh, another one of his teammates and he had a, um, a, a term used on there that was um, racial vilification in nature and it's, it's, it's one that a lot of people know and heard, have heard about it forever and it's a word you just don't say. Um, so he put that up on his social post and obviously there's uh, going to be ram- uh, potentially ramifications for him and, and his World Cup hopes as you just mentioned. But I guess the one thing I'll say about uh, Sweet Caroline being played in the change rooms, Mitch Moses doesn't own the song. It's a great sing-along song. So, <laughs> Facts. You know, I love, I love Mitch. He's, he's a, a champion guy and, and a great player. But, um, you know, it's, that's a song that you celebrate to and, and uh, you can sing along to. A lot of the other things that, that have happened, that, that one are around um, Penrith being Parramatta's daddies or them calling them their sons, uh, was, I was surprised by that in the lead-up to the game. And they've doubled down with the, um, a few other players on socials saying that. I will say one thing, that a lot of the tongue-in-cheek stuff that's been said by players, like calling Parramatta their sons or up at Royceau, um, players taking a bit of a poke at the Tigers and that. That sort of stuff that is like probably going on in most locker rooms, like banter around other teams. Penrith are just broadcasting it because they're winners and they feel like they can. And there's this sort of cockiness and confidence that they've got about it but it's hard to um, argue when they're back-to-back champions and they're just they're saying things pretty openly that yeah that they're not nice and um, it's a little bit disrespectful but it's it's banter some of it's banter some of it's across the line that we've that we've mentioned but it is banter that they're just they're airing publicly I wouldn't like it if my teammates are doing it but uh, you know I, I don't think it a lot of it should be taken too seriously. Do you think, though, that this does taint the way that the public perceives them? Like, yes, what they have achieved is incredible to be a part of this era in Penrith Panthers where they're basically winning every bit of silverware that's available. And then you have players like this just acting out. I mean, it goes back to that core question that Paul asked us. Are Penrith bad winners? I, I don't think um, I, I don't think they really care too much about the broader public perception. I think they're more interested in what those close to them think about them, what the Penrith um, fans that they represent. Like, they are very passionate about being Western Sydney boys and there's, there's a lot of local juniors in that, in that squad. And, and I think they're, you know, they're, they're happy with the people they are and they're happy with the support around them. And, and I don't think really they care too much about what journos are saying about them or what the wider public saying about the way they carry on. And Ivan Cleary's made a few comments about it like, they're celebrating their own way. Um, you know, some of it might not be to the liking of others, but, you know, you can't please everyone. It was kind of more or less what he said. And, um, like, I kind of I kind of tend to agree. Like I said before, I wouldn't like it if my teammates were disrespecting other teams and carrying on too much because I think it's Larry and I think it kind of... You, you, sound, you sound a bit arrogant when you do those sorts of things. But um, 
they've got the the runs on the board to back themselves at the moment. Yeah, I think to to in addition to that, and to answer Paul's question is, I think they've certainly earned the rights. Uh, to, to carry on. Do I think that the way they carry on is uh, the way to do it? Probably not. But as you alluded to, they have their own way of celebrating and that's what's becoming apparent to us. It looks very different to what I guess we would see of, you know, a side like the Roosters or or I'm not even going to say the Rabbitohs. Just, they just have their own style. It doesn't mean that it's any better or any worse. It's just Penrith are very confident in the way that they are and um, in, in the taste that they bring to the NRL. And what we're seeing right now is just a manifestation of, I guess, their character and, and what's, I guess, how they function as a group. So um, are they bad winners? No, they just have a way of doing it. Do I agree with what they're doing? No, but again... They're doing what they're doing because they've earned the right to carry on the way that they do. I don't know. I don't know about this whole daddy thing. I'm like, it sounds very childish to me. Um, but you know, play on Fisher Harris if that's what your your heart thinks and your mind uh, travels to. The um, Greg Alexander actually made a point, and Greg Alexander, Ivan Cleary, two guys that are going to always defend the club, right, because they're a part of it. But Greg Alexander had said that. In the 80s and 90s, when Penrith was trying to establish itself, they were always a little brother to Parramatta who were very dominant at the time. And it was kind of the way that they were portrayed as like, the West is owned by Para and Penrith are our little brothers on the outskirts of, of the West. So that was kind of where he went with it. And he said, this is just a bit of a turning of the tables and it's to build rivalry and to have that battle of the West continue. There's been some, um, I've seen a, a post by Zach Bailey who ran that fan day out at Penrith. And he said mm-hmm. he'd, he was at the um, he ran the Parramatta presentation night last night, and on his Twitter he'd said, for what it's worth, he spoke to a few Parramatta players about the sledging that's coming from Penrith, and and they had a bit of a chuckle and didn't take it too seriously. So, you know, if if they're the ones that are going to be offended by it the most, the players that played against them, and and they're not, I, I guess what's everyone else got to be upset about? Um, their team getting sledged, and they don't really care. Fair again, enough. this is this this is not everything that's gone on in this week, but. It's a large part of it. So, Sarah, like you've been a part of a successful team that's gone back-to-back previously. Um, how were your celebrations compared to the way... Pen- Did you carry on like James and, and Jerome? <laughs> Look, I certainly carried on and made sure that I uh, rewarded myself uh, for the season that went by. But in all honesty, there's a conversation that always happens after a grand final match, and it's in those moments when you're in the change room and it's, you're locked in. And it's the, you know, that one person from the leadership group or the coach gets up and says like phones in a bucket or anything that happens tonight mustn't go on social media. And um, for us, that's like hugely important is that we don't show people parts about our team or parts of ourselves that we don't want out there in the public. So yes, photos are taken and videos are taken and a lot of loose things are said, but that's just for us to enjoy as a group. Um, we don't necessarily feel the need for people outside to see it. And that's because we don't want to be scrutinised in any way that the Penrith Panthers currently are. So um, you sell, the celebrations are certainly had, but they're just done much more privately um, than what we're seeing of, of, I guess, the Panthers at the minute. Good advice, Sarah. Phones in a bucket if you're celebrating. Yes. And also, like, take your sim out if you can't control yourself then. (laughs) (laughs) Sims out. (laughs) If you've got a question, uh, you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram. It's at Sarah Nangama or myself at Dean Holtow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean, talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere, we've still got our favourite socials and we tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social. Uh, I do love this part because I do spend a little bit of time with socials. But, Hala, what you'd be impressed to know is I actually don't spend as much time on the ground. My screen time has dropped immensely this past week. Is that purpose? Like, have you done that on purpose? You're trying to limit or...? Yeah, I'm trying to limit the distractions. But two, I just didn't put a SIM in my phone. So realistically, I could only jump on the apps once I got back to the hotel after training and then connect to the Wi-Fi. And then I asked my friend yesterday, oh, can you hotspot me? And she said to me, stop being a cheapskate and go get a SIM. No one wants to hotspot you. (laughs) (laughs) So I went, I got a SIM and because of it, I did find my social of the week. 
Now, we've been talking about the Penrith Panthers a fair bit, and rightfully so, but uh, post-game they had their post-match interview. Nathan Cleary and Dylan Edwards uh, sat up there with uh, Ivan Cleary and... uh, the press asked Dylan about how he feels about winning the Clive Churchill medal and I guess his lack of reaction causes a bit of reaction in Nathan Cleary. Yeah, um, a bit surreal at the moment. I mean, yeah, I feel, honestly, it's, it's credit to the rest of the team. They make my job incredibly easy. And, um... <laughs> 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 Boring. <laughs> You need to jump onto the NRL online Instagram to suss it out because basically as he says that response, I uh, sorry, Nathan rolls his eyes and says boring because I guess Dylan is quite diplomatic and he's just thinking, bro, just take the credit. Like it's not full credit to the team. Like it's your moment. Yeah, oh, that's I, I do like that. And Dylan Edwards is a country boy. He's very quiet and goes about his work. He's an extremely talented player and hard worker. And yeah, he was trying to trying to share the glory of the, the prize with the rest of his teammates and Nathan didn't look like he was happy to any of it. He wanted him to um, soak it up and, and wear it himself. And um, yeah, pretty funny stuff there, I thought. Now, Sarah, I went to uh, a pretty trusty source for my social this week, the NRL Roast. They always put some funny stuff up there. And uh, obviously, I love talking about NFL. They've put up an NFL post, uh, and it was a pitch invader in an NFL game. He's running around with the flair, and the security aren't there in time to stop him from getting slammed by a couple of... Uh, NFL players, a couple of players step off the bench, chase him down and put some pretty big shots on him as he hits the ground. But the NRL roast has dubbed it over with um, some NRL uh, sound, which is uh, a hit that George Tafua from the Manly Seagulls put on Cameron Munster a few years ago. Look at this, Justin Ola gets it on there to Munster! George Tafua! It's actually pretty good. That soundtrack yeah. certainly matches the footage. Yeah, it does. And I don't know what any pitch invaders tend to jump. There was one in the grand final for the NRL on the weekend. And um, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, but when they're running that close to a couple of players that are padded up and ready to put shots on, it can't end well. No, not at all. Respect to the respect to the pitch invader for having a broke, but unlucky for him to be hit like that and be made a meme out of. In the ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the ruck, I guess our top headline is how Vanuatu fans reacted to PNG players because we know that fan behaviour can often be an issue and the Vanuatu fans did not hide, I guess, their dislike of PNG playing on their home soil. Yeah, the, the, the Papua New Guinean team was... Um moving around the, uh, around the field, on, on the track around the field, and a number of fans just started throwing some water bottles at them, which, um, you know, we've, we've had a few incidents. We just talked about in the socials before about a pitch invader, and there's been a lot of pitch invaders in sport around the world this year, but um, for fans to be throwing things at, at players, it's, uh, it's not a great look, and it's, it's certainly not something that you want your players to, um, to encounter either uh, when they're expecting to go out there and, and play a game and then, you know, get off safely. Yeah, I guess the the PNG captain, he did uh, say post-game, Raymond Gunimba said that one of their main challenges is spectators. And I guess um, their love for their side is is openly expressed, um, even though it may put the opposition in a bit of danger. It's something that they, I guess, authorities do need to control a little bit better because it is so dangerous when you think about it. Like I remember Kevin, my big brother, telling me that when he went over to PNG, they had police guards around um, the parameter of the facility just because spectators can be quite crazy. So super freaky, unnecessary, but hopefully a warning to authorities to be a little bit tight on their security. Yeah. And look, I, I do read that the their media manager, the PNG media manager, uh, had said they were yet to receive an apology from Vanuatu football, but um, they have forgiven the fans for being for showing their frustration by throwing the bottles. So uh, very genuous, uh, sorry, very generous of the PNG team to uh, say they forgive them and hopefully next time they have a match they uh, don't experience that. Mm, very true. In lighter and brighter news as we all know I'm currently in Auckland for the Women's Rugby World Cup and um, Hala it is actually so special right now to be here in New Zealand and be amongst the best rugby players in in the world. How was um, so you had a, a welcome ceremony for, for the first day obviously when you all got in and all the squads are there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What the um, the welcome for the World Cup was like? 
yeah, it was um, it, it was quite the moment. So they invited every team into the Sky Tower, um, which is obviously here in Auckland. So each team came dressed in their number ones, and it was just um, there was a real vibe in the room. Um, they had us obviously sitting with with our team. So there's 12 teams represented in the room, and um, they welcomed us um, with the traditional uh, Maori haka, and then. The MC called each captain up to stage to pick up. You get a, a World Cup participation cap, which is a, a very fancy thing, I guess, for like a participation certificate to say that you played at World Cup, but nonetheless, well received. And um, they had like a, a quick Q&A, but something really special to mention and was actually lost on me is that obviously Fijiana are competing in the Rugby World Cup, but this is the first time for them to ever be included in a Rugby World Cup. So while in the room, there was a lot of excitement because obviously this World Cup was meant to be held initially last year, now being pushed to this year. There was also so much to celebrate, including the inclusion of Fijiana. So um, it was just beautiful to be able to cover that, um, be in the presence of everyone here before all the glory kicks off uh, this Saturday at Eden Park. So it's crazy. I believe there are over 35,000 tickets sold Rita Ora is the headlining opening act. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a buzz right now in Auckland. Yeah, that's going to be an amazing atmosphere at Eden Park, no doubt. And Sarah, to be a part of that will be uh, pretty exciting. Are you going to try and take the stage with Rita? Like Rita can sing, right? And you can sing. Look, so to be honest, like, I, just, <laughs> I just don't want to like one-up Rita because like, <laughs> I'm... I'm just like a bit of an all-rounder performer, but like she's she's more well-known, that's for sure. But, um, you know, I just might upstage her. But no, it's um, it's just super exciting to know that big names like that are associated with a tournament like ours or, you know, the, the pinnacle of women's rugby. So um, the platform here in New Zealand is definitely set. And yeah, I can't wait to get out there and rip in with the girls. Yeah, we can't wait to see that uh, happen. Sarah, now over to the other overwall code, the uh, NRL, and there's been some announcements for international squads at the World Cup in Rugby League. Yes, Rugby League World Cup squads have been announced, and if we're looking at the grand final and the players involved across Parramatta and Penrith in the Kangaroos, four GF players have been named, Tor Samoa, another four, Fiji Mbati, four, um, and then zero for both PNG Kumuls and Matamai Tonga. So it's super exciting to see Pacifica players putting their hands up for, I guess, uh, their their heritage, um, something that you wouldn't necessarily see, but I think it's going to create quite the spectacle over in the UK for the Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, there's a few teams that like have had some huge um, additions of, of players that have been eligible to play for the Kangaroos, but have elected to play for um, for the Pacific Nation. And, and Samoa's probably the, the one that jumps out like really well. Joseph Sawali'i is has pledged to play for Samoa in the World Cup. We've heard about that a few weeks ago, um, which is which is awesome, but you mentioned the grand final players. Um, that'll be playing Brian To'o, Jerome Luai, Junior Bolo, Stephen Crichton. They've all got New South Wales Blues experience. They've, they're all chosen to play for Samoa in the World Cup, which I think is awesome to see that level um, of player um, elect to play for their home country. Fiji have got um, a few players from the grand final. So, like, um, Upi Kuroisau is probably the best hooker in the game at the moment, uh, or at least Absolutely. he's up there in that conversation, and he's... Um, been named to play and then William Kikau we know how good he is but Wonga Blake's earned a recall to that side and Mike Acevo um, will no doubt hold one of the other wing spots so there's there's talent littered throughout the Pacific Nations as they take on um, the other teams in the World Cup and, and I've got to say the Tier 1 Nations the Kangaroos uh, the Kiwis who have also got some strong sides in England will be uh, a bit worried about coming up against some of these teams because it's going to be probably the most competitive World Cup that, that we've seen yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it all kick off. Kevin Nangama, who is my big brother, a bit of a shameless plug, spoke to him this morning um, and asked how preparation was going. And yes, preparations are certainly underway, but they're 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 waiting for the the Penrith and Power players to to arrive to really complete their their training preparation. So so much to look forward to. Now over to the Jillaroos, they've also announced their squad. Where we heard earlier from Kennedy Charrington, she has earned her call up. But with that have also come some surprising withdrawals in the likes of Millie Boyle and Tamika Upton. Yeah, both uh, Millie and Tamika pulling out. Tamika through injury and then Millie um, some previous commitments for um, her work, which has is, which is stopped her from heading over to the Rugby League World Cup. But in their place, uh, Shaley Bent from the Dragons uh, has been caught up along with Emma Tonagato, two really talented players from the Dragons, big part of their success they've had over the last couple of years. But it's a pretty strong squad that the Jillaroos have announced. Um, 
probably the ones to, to highlight, Kennedy, as you mentioned, um, Yasmin Clydesdale had a really good year for the Newcastle Knights. She's been included. Uh, Talia Filmoano, she's from the Dragons. Sorry, Talia, I should say. Um, she was 5'8 for the Dragons this year, and um, she's had a really good season. So uh, Ivanya Politi, Shanamato from the Gold Coast Titans, they didn't have a great year, the Titans, but they're, they're two high-quality players that uh, will no doubt add a lot to that side. And uh, Samama Taufa, who we spoke about with Kennedy earlier before, um, just led the Parramatta Eels around the park so well this year. Another big inclusion in that um, really strong Jillaroo squad. Yeah, it's really exciting to think that all this NRL action has happened, but there's still so much to um, uncover in the upcoming Rugby League World Cup. So I guess it's probably a little bit too early to say, but at the men's and women's side, which sides are you or which countries are you most excited to see perform on the world stage? I, I really want to see some old bats back because um, they've had a pretty tough, I'd say, four or five years on the international stage. They haven't had a lot of wins and um, they've always promised so much because they do have talent. Um, they've had... The core coaching staff, they've got now a bunch of guys that have been there for a while, but also some new guys that are going to bring a lot. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how, how they fare. And I, I guess um, in, the, in the women's competition, the PNG Orchids have always had um, presence on the international stage, but they haven't quite yet um, you know, got to that, that level where they can start taking down some of the bigger nations. So hopefully, I just want to see them step up and compete um, really well with some of those, those top nations in the, in the women's side of the draw. And... Um, maybe under some more talent. Elsie Albert, who is no doubt an inspiration to a lot of girls playing the game in PNG. Um, you know, her, her leadership and um, her being a part of that squad will no doubt bring them forward. Yeah, well said. And I think just on that for me, I'm really excited to see um, Samoa perform just because of the, the big names that they now have included in their side. And for the women's, I'm excited to see New Zealand. You've got the likes of Shanice Parker, Roisin McGregor, um, you know, part of that fold who were quite instrumental in their side. So to be able to see them compete on the world stage, I'm sure will be quite the spectacle. So the uh, kickoff for the women's is the 1st of November and for the men's, it's the 15th of October. Marketing your damn calendars, boys and girls. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Hala, that's all we have time for today. Yes, it is. But if you miss a show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time. Or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more sport, you can check out That Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. More there. It's here. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.